We are rolling live, and it is our midweek Bible studies, and uh, we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 3, and the portion of the scripture we will be investigating and running a commentary uh, with is uh, from verses 10 through verse 22. Verses 10 through verse 22 in Exodus. And there's, um, thus far, just these short chapters, man, are filled with uh, just, man, great insight, uh, witness, and penmanship uh, to um, record these events and the things that has that have taken place for us to, of course, learn the nature of God and to learn the nature of man and see how God and man together uh, cooperate or do not cooperate and um, what comes about uh, as a result. And so uh, what a wonderful thing thus far. Chapter 1, of course, reveals that there's a new king in Egypt and he's not a friendly guy. He doesn't want to be friends with uh, uh, Joseph and his lineage. He don't care about the past. He doesn't want any historical note to his end. He simply wants to tyrannically dispose of, remove, murder everything he deems to be a threat. And that is the Hebrew people. Of course, the Hebrew people... um, some of which are faithful to God and fear God more than they fear the new king in Egypt, and God is with them, and the fulfillment of his will produces a path forward, protecting the precious package, Moses, who should have been murdered. That was, that was the law. That was the, the, the government and its policies, was to murder Moses and murder all other little babies that would you know, be a problem to the new king. But they did not obey the government. They did not submit to the government. Uh, as believers in God, they fear God more than man, and they did what was right. And because of that, Moses is born. And not only born, but um, taken under the wing of the very dragon, of course, in security. Uh, but has moved on, of course, to a new location now in Midian, uh, because Moses witnessed uh, not only the hard labor and mistreatment of his kind, his people, his culture, uh, from the Egyptian powers and oppression, but he also, sadly, recognized the behavior of his own people and how they were just as worse, it seemed. It was just like, wow, you know, there's something wrong here. So out of Fear for his own life, of course, having done something to uh, an Egyptian uh, and also recognizing that his own people that he thought he was protecting were just as bad, it seemed. He, he, he leaves. He, he escapes to, to, to Midian for his life, his mind, his well-being in, all, in, all way, in every direction. And uh, we took a look at those things. And you are more than welcome to go check out the archived study sessions. We have those on Wednesdays, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. We stream them live. But you can go and check the archived uh, videos and um, just kind of catch up to, the, to the, the history of it and the information. We try to read this information in its context and respect the interpretation of the author's intent. And we add comment. We add illustration. We will add practical application. And uh, we, first and foremost, of course, want to recognize, wow, just how grand and powerful God is to have blessed us with free will, the independence to follow or to reject, neglect, deny, uh, or embrace, love, and follow 
He gave us that gem of authenticity in each an independent soul whose intellectual capabilities uh, are found, uh, um, how should I say, are found recognized to take responsibility in the priority of our purpose in this life. Uh, and you see how through all this lineage, God and his love, his grace, never abandons the faithful, never abandons man. Uh, he loves us dearly. He loves us so much, of course, he sent his son. And this is the history and the love uh, recorded, penned down by the Holy Spirit so that we can go to it and recognize its account and uh, embrace it and see the great lengths God's power extended so that all mankind could be in fellowship with him, all who seek that fellowship, redemption, salvation. It's just a beautiful account. And we get to recognize the ailment of man's nature as well. Throughout all these accounts, the things taking place, we are challenged. What will we do? We must persevere. We must stand with integrity. But at times we miss the mark, don't we? And we fall short. We do things and say things. We think things we ought not to. And that, of course, causes us a great many problems. But when we are faithful and put uh, all trust in God and follow his will, we are successful. It doesn't mean we won't go through temptation or go through uh, pain and sorrow in life. It just means we'll be able to deal with it much better. It's a better way of life. And we can read these accounts in the Old Testament and recognize humanity and the great I am, the God who loves us and has communicated with us. In days past, of course, he communicated in a divine, immediate, and supernatural uh, manner. And throughout all those ages that he was doing that, it was, of course, to fulfill the perfect law, which you and I now are blessed to have. You and I now have the 66 books of the Holy Bible, the perfect law of liberty. That which is perfect has been accomplished through 40 inspired men. They were governed by God. To write, they were inspired. Forty different men in forty different locations, history, culture. It transcends all things. The penmanship of the Holy Spirit. In a period of time of approximately 1,500 or 1,600 years, God took his time with all his infinite power. He took the time to compose and complete this perfect law to which you and I now can trust fully and go to. It doesn't matter which translation. If it is authentic to the original language and simply given to us in our common dialect, it is authentic to the gospel plan, and we can trust it. And there is investigative studies that you can go through to have that tangible in your hands. I had to go through that because I wasn't going to believe anything I could defend. I was one of those guys. There is no God. Why? Science. Until I chose to think outside that small little dungeon of a box and say, what if these crazy Christians have something? What if, what if there's actually something true in everything they're saying? And so that journey, of course, began a decade plus ago, but it, it, it concluded with the undeniable objective absolute reality of our existence. Yeah, you can trust the 66 books of the Holy Bible. You can, and there's evidence tangible in an honorable court of law to defend with that. 39 books in the Old, the Old Testament, in the period and stewardship of time within that recording, 
and uh, the 27 books of the New Testament, to which you and I are born submissive to. That is our law, the law of Christ, mercy and grace and all the wonderful things therein. Now we are commanded to learn from the 39 books of the old, and it is purposeful. It is the Bible. It is true and real, and you can read God's nature and man's interaction with God's nature, whether positive or negative, and its consequences, and everything in there in principle. We learn from the 39 books of the old, of course, but we live submissive to the 27 books of the New Testament uh, spirit, the, the law of spirit. Uh, and so, you know, that's how it's organized. You may not believe that right now. You may think that's not true right now. But if you are an honest student of the scriptures and you ask the right questions with the right motive of the heart, there are answers. And you will see that you and I will become very common in our salvation. That's the whole deal, Jude 3. So, we look into Exodus. We are in chapter 3. Our last installment and session was in regards to the burning bush. Very fascinating, fascinating information, really. When you take the time, you drop it down to the honey level, the molasses drip, and uh, we look at the words, we look at how it's functioning together, and uh, we can certainly build a momentous understanding, uh, and God is pleased when, when we do that. Please, my dear friends, consider subscribing, following, liking, share a comment, just say hi, how you doing, uh, uh, share the link far and wide. It, it helps accumulate others like you and I out there who would find uh, the value and substance of this material beneficial. Uh, to our lives, our faith, this day and hour. So please consider doing that. My name is Stefan Maillet. Uh, AddedSouls.com is my website. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here on the East Coast of Canada. We are the faithful and healthy growing congregation in this mission. We'd love for you to get involved. Contact us if you'd seek studies or want to visit and fellowship with us and see what we're all about. Uh, we strongly encourage you to do that. You, you'd be, you'd be surprised uh, at, at the love and family and, and uh, close knit uh, mind we have with the scriptures and uh, trying to do our best. Not not perfect. We aren't perfect, uh, but we are certainly seeking to do our best as humble hearts to follow Jesus. And perhaps that that is something that you are seeking. Matthew six thirty three. So reach out to us. You can check out our. Dot com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. You can also check out our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ, and uh, you'll find some of our information there. We stream live and upload uh, on all uh, major platforms, so you can find us there, whichever you're more comfortable with. Uh, we are available. I just opened up a YouTube channel. You get a bit of my own personal life along with our uh, study sessions and, and all of that kind of good stuff is there. I opened up a Twitter account, a Twitter uh, profile. That is available. Um, uh, Rumble, of course, has been for a while. Our Facebook page is the most dominant one, uh, the largest uh, audience there and, and following. Uh, and uh, all over the place. Substack, um, iTunes. Spotify, everywhere. So thanks for being here with us. We're going to now change the screen to the uh, interview mode so that you can have the scripture in front of you as well, following along so you can see that we are reading indeed from uh, the text and not deviating from its uh, message. All right, let's just do this here. Interview mode. Boom. There we go. Look at that on the screen. Now, this is from the New American Standard Bible. Um... There are, of course, very minute discrepancies uh, that were 
governed by men's ambitions in certain verses in this translation or this version, uh, but not enough, of course, to corrupt or deviate the true message. And um, I happen to um, appreciate the New American Standard Bible. It is not my preferred translation. My preferred would be probably the New King James. I also, of course, uh, would put the King James up there. Um, I'm not much for the English Standard Version or the New Amer uh, New uh, International Version, the NIV. Those really, they, they fall off my radar. I have nothing against individuals who read from those, if you will, uh, matter of conscience and opinion and um, academic pursuits. But the message of the cross is uh, in there. Uh, you'd have to go outside of that uh, to, to, to kind of lose that, that momentum and that... that, that uh, understanding really but for, for for this purpose this morning from from my uh, bible that i have in my own hands which was given to me in 1999 by mom and dad at a time i didn't care much about god or the bible uh so it's near and dear to me and that's what i've been reading from uh recently so it, we'll, we'll just stick with that so the new american standard bible and we are in exodus chapter 3 we're going to go through verses 10 through 22 uh, verse 10 says therefore Come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. This, of course, is always in the direct context, which we had uh, uh, read through in, la in the last session regarding the burning bush. Moses sees it, goes to it, and recognizes a message. He is told to do something. He will be told to do something because God has recognized the cries of his people under hard labor and bondage of the Egyptian power and government. So, because of that, because God uh, heard the cry of the sons of Israel and uh, has seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them, that's verse 9 of the same chapter, therefore, in verse 10, come now, and I will send you. Who? Well, Moses. Moses has walked the earth long enough now to have been the recipient of insight, wisdom, and discernment. He's seen, he's seen the ups and downs of humanity, and uh, it's time he recognizes his calling uh, to be a leader and uh, to do as God would command him to do, not only in uh, outward uh, appearance, but also from within the motive of the heart. And at times that takes uh days weeks months years to cultivate understanding and uh, that you your heart is truly invested mind all well, heart mind and soul to god emotionally invested uh, uh spiritually invested and um uh upright and true to the doctrine of our lord and master to the the boundary of God's law. And so he is going to have this task placed before him, Moses. Uh, Moses was a courageous man. Uh, he would have been athletic and uh, upright and capable of uh, defending or uh, producing um, what is necessary uh, to uh, lead if you will, and again, through the experience of his life and God's blessing and providence uh, to his existence. So, you know, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you, Moses, may bring my people. Uh, 
Remember what uh, happened in the New Testament in regards to uh, Jesus being tested with paying taxes and Caesar. And uh, Jesus, of course, uh, uh, tells them and instructs them, uh, teaches them. Um, yeah, you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Uh, but you be, you give to God what belongs to God. Well, we belong to God. We are created in his image. So it's not, therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring your people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. God is the owner of mankind. Not as a heavy-handed, tyrannical slave driver, slave utilized in the description and, and definition of a negative tone, of course. No, no, not at all. He is blessing man with the opportunity of his grace. I've been hearing the cries of my people, your kind of people, your culture, your kind of people, my people, ownership. And I am extending to you an opportunity of freedom, liberty. And uh, you will take the task. Now Moses, of course, always in free will, could have said no. And as a matter of fact, he's going to try to talk his way out of this task and office, this, this very uncertain and dangerous, courageous path forward in leadership. No, maybe, you know, I, I can't do that. Well, we, we will see. So therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, our God's people, out of Egypt. I am going to deliver them out of bondage, the location of their hard labor and shackle, their mistreatment and murder. I'm going to liberate them, bring them into the location of liberty and freedom. And in order to do that, I am setting forth, setting forth a work for you, Moses. See, God could have done all of this without Moses. You and I should know that. God can do all things without mankind. We, he don't need us, is the point. But he loves us, and he loves us so much, he gave us the free will to choose him or not. And he gives us, extends to us, purpose in life work. Here, you can work for me. My burden is light, okay? Uh, uh, my yoke is easy. It's good work. It's courageous work. Yes, it might require your life physically, but your spiritual well-being is secure. And um, there is great joy finding that motive of the heart to follow God and to do as he extends. He's called us out of a dying world. He's saying, I can, I'm willing to call you out. I've been wanting to do so. But the people in the rebellion need to learn things, be disciplined, so that they are softened of heart in a humble, reverent posture, bowing, so that they are now understanding love and compassion. They now understand the path forward. So I'm staying, uh, th this opportunity is now uh, uh, set forth, and uh, you can receive it or reject it. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Now imagine hearing that as Moses. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. They're seeking my head. They want me murdered. They want me publicly executed. It's a death trap. Like, to me, this makes no sense. Like, is, is, 
Is the angel of the Lord? Is the second person of the Godhead? Is deity, divine presence, source, and power telling me that I just need to walk into my own death? Is this like a, like you're promoting my a suicidal journey here? Like, is God missing it? Like, is he not understanding that I can't go there? <laughs> it's It's interesting how we think that way, don't we? Well, I can't just sell the farm and move to a different country. Well, I just can't do that. I don't want to. I mean, that would be a death trap. I mean, to let go my employment or to let go my land or to let. Don't you know that would be the end of me? Like I, I wouldn't be able to pay the bills or I wouldn't be able to. See, there are all sorts of fears that we create in our own mind. Look at Peter. What happened to Peter when he began to sink? Why was he sinking? Because he chose at that moment to focus more so on the storm. And I, I to his credit, I mean, it's <laughs> the storm is violent and it's all around you. So it's kind of screaming in your face. Look at me. Focus on me. So it's very tempting to be like, yeah, I'm going to focus on the storm and start to sink. Moses, don't start to sink. We should not start to sink. Peter, of course, sinking and drowning, recognized the sole source of salvation. Jesus, please save me. Pluck me out of this certain death. Well, why isn't God understanding that if I go back to Egypt to Pharaoh, I'm a dead man? Like, is he missing it? Is he not? I don't know. Does he not have the insight to see these things? We do that. How much would you be willing to give and sell and change when you find a precious precious gem right well how and the land you found it on what would you be willing to give and commit you know we here on the east coast as the east coast church of christ we are a healthy blooming congregation growing in love and togetherness it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, faithful church. There aren't too many of those around, are they? Are there? You and I have been through many congregations that were toxic, either filled with doctrinal error or filled with uh, corrupt, evil uh, behaviors. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a truly difficult gem to find when when you you are surrounded with a healthy congregation. How much would you be willing to to change? and sacrifice in order to be part of a healthy congregation. Well, there's one over here on the east coast of Canada. Well, I can't move, or I can't sell this, or I can't do that. I, my work, my family, my this, my... Fear. The, 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 the benefit of trusting in God and letting go everything, including self, and capturing and clinging uh, loyal to a fateful location and local assembly, the blessings far outweigh what the fear is going to bring you. How much do we seek God? You see, it's a fearful thing that Moses was facing in his mind and experience and discernment. If I go to Egypt and face Pharaoh, I'm a dead man. But here is the living God. 
a flame that is not consuming the bush, a power in which presence I must remove my sandal. I'm telling me I have to go there. What am I going to trust? Who am I going to trust? Self or God? If you trust God with his will, there is a way. You can sell the farm and you can move in a different country. I can say that we've done that as a family. With a wife with child. (laughs) It can be done. The minute you choose to fully deny yourself and pick up the cross and follow our master faithfully, your life is in his grace. It's a truly liberating walk on this earth. And um, we, as the East Coast Church of Christ, encourage you to look into this, this matter a bit deeper. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. The text continues to the next verse in verse 11. It says, But Moses, it's interesting, right? God says, but man has a rebuttal. But man, God commands, but man says, well, God says, here is the structure and teaching the knowledge that uh, is available regarding the uniqueness of his kingdom, his church, his body, his assembly, his congregation. Here is what his bride is described as. But man says, well, I want to create Christianity in my own image. And I want to be a part of a church according to my own ambition and desires. But man, God says, here is the uniqueness of my kingdom. Understand it. Seek to be a legal citizen of my kingdom. Seek salvation through Christ. He will add you. God will add you to his kingdom. Well, man, but man has a different path. I well, I you know, I, I can't right now. Life is just too busy, or you name it. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of excuses. I've used them. You've used them. We know what that looks like, doesn't it? That little, that little cricket there on your shoulder telling you, yeah, I think you're using an excuse now, aren't you? I mean, you know you should, but you, yeah. We can understand the scriptures. God says. Believe in his son, follow his son, obey his son, love his son, have the right motive of the heart with the right, the, the, the correct outward action and obedience. Do that. But man, but Moses says to God, well, who am I? Like, why would you seek to give me this office and task? Now, it is my opinion that Moses is not speaking this in humble fashion in, in regards to, 
you know, uh, um, there are so many others that would be better than me. I think more so there is a bit of, um, how should I say, excuse in the mix. I just don't, I, I don't want to go there. They're going to murder me. And I found a life here. Like there are so many factors of security and loyalty and commitment in the current location I'm, I'm, I'm at. I mean, I have a wife and children. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm set here. Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh. I don't hold any office of power or authority to go there. They want me dead. And that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Isn't that like what you do, God? Isn't that your thing? No, I'm not saying Moses is high-handedly in a very stern and, 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 and um, aggravated or, or uh, abrupt way speaking to God in, in such fashion. I, I mean... You have to read the context over and over again to kind of get an idea of the tone and uh, the manner in which the engagement is taking place. It is my, again, uh, educated opinion in having read this text and studied it uh, for many years that it's passive in one fashion, yet not credible in another. Like, let's just pass it on to someone else or I, I, there's, it's too dangerous for me. How can I say this to God in a way that's not just flat out, I don't want to. <laughs> I just don't want, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do that. I, I, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I found a new life, a new chapter in my history, and I'm, I'm, I'm content. I'm joyful. I got work to do. I'm not going to go to the location that they want me dead, number one. And number two, I mean, are you like the na the sons of Israel, like the, the there's a few of us over there. Like, you want me to, to, to persuade them? Like, and here's the thing. Here's where we mess up as, as mankind. Moses is thinking too much so about what he has to do. Instead of recognizing that it's God's work. God will be doing. He will simply be the vessel of servitude in which it will be done. And he is blessed to have that opportunity. But we do that all the time. Well, that means I'll have to do this and do that. And I don't want to do this. And I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm quite content and comforted with what, the way things are going now. I don't, I don't. No, it's because you think you're the one who's going to be doing the work. Now, of course, there are good works to be done in our faith, James chapter 2. But the work itself and what is being produced is from God. If Moses is to stand before Pharaoh, it's God's work. If the sons of Israel are to be liberated. It's God's work. Moses and a great many of us have the Nebuchadnezzar germ. Look at me. Look at what I done. You're asking me to do this? Well, then I will do this. And it is. it will be me. Like the, we, we, we take onus in a prideful way that I did this and I did that. You know, the devil or a brute diatrophic individual will say, I took over when I took over because that's what they do. And they miss the mark greatly. No, listen. It's not what Moses could uh, uh, meritoriously boast of. Well, I'm the one who went before Pharaoh, and I'm the one who liberated the people. So therefore, God, you just sat back there. You better let me into the uh, heavenly realm and you better treat me with respect because I did that. You know, again, the Nebuchadnezzar germ uh, to which God disciplined, you know, uh, fairly severely. 
So at times, we'll, 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 that's how we think. Now, it may not be to the, to the element of pride, but it may be to the element of cowardice or uncertainty or lack of faith. Or the abundance of thinking that it's our work. Well, then you, what you're telling me is I got to do this more. I just don't have the time for that. Or I, blah, 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 comes all the excuses. No, it's not about us. It's about God. It's not works we boast of. It's his works through us. What a blessing that is. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. It's not my church. I didn't do anything. I didn't. Uh, I'm the one who... This is my church, and this, uh, I did this, and I did that, and the people are here because of me. No. The people are here because of God, our King, our Master, the Christ. We are equal. The wonderful works taking place in this congregation belong to God. Praise and glory belong to God. So when Moses says, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. No, God is the one that's going to remove the sons of Israel out of Egypt. You are just the servant following the command. I'm not the one bringing growth to the East Coast congregation. God is. I just serve as with all the brothers and sisters of this congregation. And that's why we have visitors every week. And that's why we have contacts and Bible studies every week. Some stay, most leave, most have a heart to follow error, but some stay and some convert and follow the Christ. What am I going to look at God now and say, look at what we done. It's because of us. No, it's all God. It's God's work. So you can see, of course, how we can refute and dismantle Moses' excuse and the way he's looking at things. Why? Because we've been there. We've done that. So it continues and says in uh, verse 12, And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I, who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God in this mountain, at this mountain. Yeah, Moses, it's not about you. I'm, I'm, because I love you, I'm extending to you a purpose in life. And it is providential to that end because you have had since your birth an upbringing and wisdom and experience in life that will be useful to your task in leadership. Why did Jesus why did Jesus surround himself with tax collector and a fisher, fisherman and like what why did he not go to the Sanhedrin and be like hey so I want to accumulate I want to have myself an entourage of religious leaders who are academically inclined you know, who, 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 who look and speak and are educated under Gamaliel and who, you know, I need 12 of your best men here. Why did he not go to the Sanhedrin or go to the Pharisees or the Sadducees or any school of, of thought there? Or why did he not go there to recruit his followers? Because they weren't going to be useful at all. 
their hearts were wrong, number one. And number two, they did not have the skills necessary for the office. Why choose Moses? Why choose any of us? Why is the gospel extended to every single accountable soul? Because each and every one of us can change. Most won't, but some will. And those who do, through God's grace, begin to recognize, oh, now I know why God called me, because he wanted me to do this or do that. All of us in different opportunity and talent. For me, I love to teach. I love to proclaim the truth. I love to create content. I love to do these things for God. It gives me purpose. For some, it may be greater acts of benevolence. For some others, it may be different acts of kindness. Each and every member of the local assembly has a part to participate in. It doesn't necessarily mean going behind the pulpit, though we are blessed here with uh, several men who, who, who can and do. With women who, who uh, love to participate and, and, and create and, and have a thoughtful and, and kind and soft uh, approach. And, and yeah, well, we have to recognize that. But it's all God. <laughs> it's, it's to his glory. And so God says to Moses, certainly I will be with you. Like it's not, stop burdening yourself and thinking how am I going to do this because it's not you going to be doing it it's God through you certainly I will be with you and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you shall worship or serve God at this mountain it's about God it is pleasing to the great I am who created us in his image to have us in loving, submissive, submissive utilized in the description of a positive tone. As in to a loving father whose compassion, empathy, grace is eagerly seeking to be bestowed upon us. It's about God. God loves us. He wants to liberate us. God heard the cries of his people. They had been disciplined long enough. It was now time for their liberty or given the opportunity of liberty. Sadly, we know they would squander that in murmur and complaint. We do that, don't we? And miss the land of milk and honey, sadly, when we do so. However, God's grace always active and eagerly seeking to extend that redemption, that liberty to mankind. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. The text continues in verse 13. Please, friends, consider subscribing, liking, sharing. Share the, the link far and wide. Um, let us try to accumulate others out there who might find this valuable, who might find the substance of this material worth looking into. Uh, let's keep going here. Verse 
13, chapter 3, Exodus. Then Moses said to God. So you can see the engagement here, the interaction from one end to the other. Moses now speaks to God and says, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. I'm not here of my own volition. I'm not here of my own thought or opinion. I am here because I was called to do so by a divine source, the God of our fathers. Now they may say to me, they may say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? They might seek an answer as to who you are that has sent me to them. There may be some opposition. There may be some questioning that I don't, I just won't be found with the words to defend. Who am I? Like, look, look, look at the various things here he's saying. Number one is, who am I? Number one that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I as a person, number one? And who am I as a person, number two, to stand before Pharaoh, the individual who wants me dead? And number three, that I should be the one to bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Well, you ain't going to be the one doing that. God will through you. Okay. Then he says, okay, fine, I can do that. But what happens if... They have opposition or questioning that I can't answer. Like, wouldn't that disqualify me? Wouldn't that diminish my influence and leadership? I mean, I we do that, don't we? I know it. I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do these things because what if? What if I lose this? What if I get hurt there? What if, what if, what if, what if? Uh, at times, facing evil, it tempts us to be cowardly. Because the devil is very, very cunning. And he is slanderous. And he knows how to bear false witness. And he can create a narrative and have individuals believe a lie about you. Some of us know exactly what that feels like. Some of us have lived through, are living through those kind of things at the hands of evil individuals. Well, you have God and you have the truth. Stand firm against them. Some will always follow the Pharisees and be against Jesus. You, you, that is an inevitable fact of, our, uh, of people's hearts. In the age of the Christ, brethren, Jews, believers, chose to follow the Pharisees and remain loyal to the Pharisees instead of Christ. It just is what it is. Some individuals were devoured and chose to follow Diotrephes instead of Demetrius, Gaius, and John. It just is what it is. You, you, you have to know that when you go face to face with evil, in order to liberate, in order to speak the truth, in order to defend with justified expression in the face of evil, of cunning evil and divisive evil. 
um, there's always going to be individuals who are who are uh, uh, going to be loyal to the e- to the evil uh, individual. It just is what it is. Like no matter what Moses was going to do for God, with God as the worker in his life to lead, some of his own people were going to want to stay in Egypt or were going to want to uh, uh, um, choose Pharaoh. As strange as that may be, the very source of their bondage and hard labor and affliction, some of the of, of the uh, Israelites were going to vote for and remain with or seek to be with um, Pharaoh and the Egyptian people. It's the same today. It was the same in the age of the Christ. It's the same today. Um, evil people will have their following. And they will have those they devour. Um, it just is what it is. We've seen uh, congregations infiltrated by such individuals. And the, the weak and the worldly uh, devoured easily. Uh, the faithful pushed out. These things happen. We cannot cower away. We must be wise. And there are things at times that need to remain in privacy until times of public uh, revealing. There are certainly some wisdoms to apprehend and and, uh, to be in control and self-control of one's mind and efforts. And and there are many factors uh, taking place here. Uh, To have Moses go before Pharaoh seeking the liberation of Israel to go face to face with evil. What if there is opposition from my own people? Well, there will be. There will be. Um, you, we, We've had examples time and time again of, of, of uh, bearing false witness or, or slander and uh, the truth being revealed that this individual was a slanderer, he was slandering, he did bore false witness, we have the evidence to prove it. It, would, it don't matter to some of our brethren. It, it does not matter. Uh, we ourselves have, have already uh, had, had the opportunity to speak to some brethren and reveal uh, factual uh, witness uh, in regards to, to slanderers and, and whatnot, but they still chose to be loyal to the slanderers. Uh, it just is what it is. You can't allow that to, to, to overcome you. But Moses, listen, some are your own people. Like, you know this because before you fled to Midian, uh, you yourself saw that your own kind were violent against your own kind. Right? So some of your own brothers and sisters are going to have an evil and corrupt heart. Now, the Bible, of course, tells us to avoid them, to withdraw from those, to love them and pray for them seek their repentance, have love for them and their soul, absolutely. But you don't, you don't contaminate yourself with, with their ways. You, you remove yourself from them. Uh, God is going to take care of all that. He calls us in responsibility, of course, and, 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 and uh, discipline. But it's God's work. So what if they say to me this? What if they say to me that? And of course, what if they say, what, 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 what's the name of, of, of the God that sent you? Or... What am I going to say to them if they have opposition? Well, in verse 14, God says to Moses, see, God always has an answer. He always has the answer. At times, he chooses not to reveal the answer to us, 
because it is not for us to to know that, but what is necessary to know he will reveal. And so God says to Moses, am I, uh, uh, sorry, I am who I am. And I find that quite remarkable. And I speak of him in such ways quite often in my prayer, whether public or private, the great I am. We true and pure Christians in the authentic description of the scripture. We are of an ancient power, an ancient of days. We are followers of the great I am through his son. We are a peculiar people, a unique people set apart, called out. We know our master. We know the Christ and his nature, his love, his compassion, which gives us the discerning ability to recognize those among us who do not, sadly, receive the love of Christ, but live in hatred and jealousy and bitterness against their fellow man. I am who I am is such a powerful self-description the perfect verbal description of the ancient of days. I am, I have always been, I am now and will forever be. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the great power, the engineer, the creative artistry, the intelligence, a supernatural divine entity. I am who I am. And he said, furthermore, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Who has sent you to us? Moses will say, I am has sent me to you. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, if there is no resurrection, how can God be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Remember how the Sadducees tried to snare Jesus that time? Jesus told them, no. My father is the God of the living, not the dead. And so you will tell them that the God of the living is the source power who has sent you. I am. That's just... I just love the way he says that. In verse 15 now, it continues and says, God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. It's not you, Moses, it's me. If you trust in that, you will be successful. Was Joseph not successful? Was Joseph not within the inner belly of the Egyptian power and given a position of prestige, influence, and authority? How did that happen? How could God take any of us and bring us into a position of prime minister, president, king or queen? 
the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. I am. I have always been. And that's a bit difficult to wrap our thoughts around, isn't it? Because you and I, we live in this finite construct. You and I, we live, we die. All things decay. We don't evolve, we devolve <laughs> and dissolve into pieces. Yet we are the creative witness to a high power that has always been and will forevermore be. Like, is that... It's just a, difficult to wrap my, our minds around that. God has always existed. And within his forever, his eternal existence, there came a time in which he said, did you catch what I just said? There came a time. A timeless being saw it fit within the verse of his, unit, uh, 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 of his uh, uh, eternity to create time and man submissive to it. Now think about that. A God who lives outside of time had the mind to understand time and create it. I am. I am. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it is powerful to me. And he says, of course, this is my memorial name to all generations. Verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, go to the elders, the source of those who should have leadership and wisdom among the people already who should. Tell them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. He hears the cry of his people. He is sending the deliverer, Moses, to lead his people to liberty, away from the clutches of hard labor and bondage. Speak to the heads of the houses so that the word is distributed among the people and understood that this will be happening. The day and hour of deliverance is at hand. So in verse 17, so I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. Therein, Again, in cooperation with verse 8 of the same chapter, which says, So I have come down to deliver, from, uh, to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite. God has a location in which his people are to be secure. 
Has his mind and nature changed? No, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, is he not? Of course. So the Christ, the Messiah, our Lord and Master, the Anointed One, our King, he purchased us with his blood. He has saved our souls with his redemptive power when he fulfilled the ministry of the cross, death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension. It came at a great cost, the sacrificial lamb. So we were purchased at a great cost to be set in a location, a spiritual location, his church, his congregation, his assembly, to be found in local locations here, the East Coast Church of Christ. Would it not have been strange for God to have liberated his people and told them, now go ahead and be orphans wherever you seek to roam the earth? Yeah, now you've been liberated. Go ahead and do what you want to do and go where you want to go. How many times do we hear the erroneous teachings of man in our current age say, oh, just be saved by Jesus and go find any church that makes you feel comfortable? Do we see that principle and institution in the great I am's instruction to Moses? Well, of course not. God had a purpose in liberating the sons of Israel, number one, and to add them to a location of milk and honey, a land in which they would dwell. Now, this is during the age of physical Israel. You and I are now spiritual Israel, yet can be seen, assembled, gathered in our physical vessels. So when Jesus saves you, he adds you to his kingdom and no other, his church and no other. It is our duty to learn it is our responsibility to learn what location that is. And I assure you, it is not within the thousands and thousands and thousands of churches who so claim and masquerade themselves as, quote-unquote, Christianity. The sons of Israel could not have wandered where they wanted to and said, well, thanks, God, for liberating us from Egypt. We're just going to go over here where we want to go and find ourselves. No, 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 no. We must trust God's love, his instruction, his compassion. We must trust that. And they needed to trust that there was a location in which they were going to be added to once they had been liberated. If you believe in Jesus and you have faith in Jesus, you believe in Jesus, you have faith in Jesus, you seek to be saved by Jesus, you must understand that he is going to add you to the uniqueness of his kingdom, his church, and no other. And the instructions, of course, of the scriptures would reveal to us the description of his church so as to have us discern what belongs to him and what does not belong to him. If you were not found within the group assembly of the sons of Israel, you were an individual who would be, have been known as afar off, not of the Jewish, uh, not of the Israelite kind, the Hebrew kind. If you are not a member of the Lord's church and faithful therein, those who are know you are outside and lost. In verse 18, it says, they will pay heed to what you say. Again, trust God. It may have very well been difficult to accept from Moses and his mind. 
how how is this going to work? They want to murder me, number one, and I am not a great leader of a nation to how am I, like I won't even know what to say to them if there's any opposition. Now, of course, Moses was indeed more intelligent than he may have wanted to give way, and God knew that. The fact that he may have tried to how should I say pass one through God without him knowing it is, is ridiculous. God uh, obviously understood that Moses was molded into a vessel of utility for the further uh, fulfillment of his will. They will pay heed to what you say. They will listen to you. They will listen to you because it is I who am speaking to them through you. The message you will speak to them comes from the mind of God. And you, with the elders of Israel, will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, here's the message again, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. So here's the message to the king of Egypt. There was a message to be delivered to the sons of Israel and the elders therein. And now there is also, of course, a message to the God of the Hebrews. Uh, sorry, to the, to the king of Egypt from the God of the Hebrews. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now, please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I would say, a true nature and revealing of God's mind. God don't need to respect the king of Egypt. He could have had Moses go straight up to the face of the king of Egypt and say, listen to me, you moron, you idiot, you good-for-nothing pagan. You better do as we say, or you'll be damned to hell. How about that? Ever hear that kind of stuff? Yeah. Why is it, well, it would have been in God's right and justice to make Moses say that to the king of Egypt, right? I mean, the king of Egypt is murdering God's people. Yet here is how the king of Egypt is to be approached by Moses and his people. To, 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 to speak these words to the king of Egypt, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. Let's be specific here. It's not the God of the Egyptians, it's the God of the Hebrews. The Egyptians already have their own gods. Not living gods, gods created by the image of their own selfish ambitions and desires. But the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, he, our living God knows who belongs to him. Has met with us. So now, please, I mean, he's even saying the word please. Let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. It's not an outlandish request. Hmm. You would think that an honest and humble-hearted individual would receive those words quite well, respectfully. What will happen to Pharaoh's heart? God will harden it. How? By saying these things. Have you ever lovingly told someone, you need to change, and they get angrier every time you, you say that? You need to stop living in sin. You need to stop seeing that boy or that girl. You need to stop being in that relationship. You need to stop uh, 
doing this. You need to like, I love you. I care for you. You need to stop because there's an eternal consequence to the things you're saying and doing and thinking. And every time you lovingly approach your spouse, your children, your grandparents, your parents, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, what about even brothers and sisters in the church with a loving and kind instruction, rebuke perhaps, you will quickly discern the heart of the individual you are addressing by how they receive the message. If they are becoming more so indignant and amplified in anger and, 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 and lack of self-control, then you are the source word speaking to an individual aggravated by the truth found therein. So the king of Egypt is going to hear the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. It's going to harden his heart, isn't it? God is hardening the heart of Pharaoh. How? Well, he's not supernaturally inserting himself within Pharaoh to remove Pharaoh from his free will to choose. He's not deliberately saying, you know what, I just want to condemn Pharaoh to hell, so I'm going to purposely remove his free will and make him say no to Moses and my people. No, the principle and the illustration is very understandable here. If you tell an individual you need to change and they say no, and you tell them again you need to change and they become aggravated and you need to change and they become so angry at you that they want to physically assault you, you've hardened their hearts. You have. You would have much rather they repent, as God would have wanted the king of Egypt to repent, but he didn't, will he? No. But it's interesting to me, nonetheless. Verse 19. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go, except under compulsion, literally by a strong hand. So though you can be kind in your request, his heart is corrupt. He ain't going to hear none of it. He ain't going to let your, uh, my people go. Except under a strong hand. And there is something also to be learned there as well. Though we are, through the engagement of humanity, to be kind in our request, there is a time for a, there is a, in, in, indeed a time for a strong hand. Not heavy, strong. Why? Because bad people are going to do bad things and they aren't going to change even when we tell them to change. Well, Jesus should have just sat down with the Pharisees and been brethren. They were all brethren. Why couldn't they just get along? I mean, Jesus should have, should have at least loved them and prayed for them. Jesus should have sat down with Satan and said, Satan, I love you, and I know there's still some good in you, and you, you maybe you, you could repent. As foolish as that sounds, as you hear me speak it out of my mouth, brethren, believe that. They do. Well, you know, Gaius, you should just get along with Diotrephes. John, you're a bit heavy there on. Demetrius, you should just get along with Diotrephes there. You're all brethren. You should just all get along. I'm not going to choose any sides. As ridiculous as that sounds is the reality of a great many brethren. God knows that. 
God knows the Pharisees were not going to change. He loved them, but he knew he weren't going to change. John knew Diotrephes was not going to change. It's a matter of one's free will, absolutely. But some utilize their free will in rebellion, in harsh, brash, heavy-handed, evil, very cunning. That's why I do not reach out to certain individuals. We've already attempted, we've already tried. But the heart of an evil and cunning source at times needs to be dealt with a strong hand. A strong hand. There needs to be a strong discipline. You withdraw. You remove yourself from associating in fellowship with an individual who has since been withdrawn from God's grace and now practices evil. You can't. I mean, it's just at times it takes that, that heavy discipline. Now, this is in the age, of course, of physical Israel. So God and his power and divine connection was going to, of course, bring forth uh, his people uh, regardless of Pharaoh's denial. So in verse 20, it says, So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. Justice, order, the rule of law has to have a strong hand upon the delinquent, the criminal, the evil worker, the cunning and divisive tyrant, the brute. And though brethren who practice those malicious, duplistic uh, things may seem to get away with it now, in the hour in which the sky will open and judgment will be upon mankind, they will have no defense. Yet I am certain they will try to debate God on that day. It's, it's, it's remarkable how Pharaoh in his pride tried to debate God and be like, no. See, Pharaoh thought he was God on earth himself. We know brethren like that, don't we? Diotrephes is, is well-versed in that kind of behavior. They think themselves walking Bibles and that who they condemn is condemned and who they save is saved. Well, no, Pharaoh, you're going to release my people. And of course, God delivered us, didn't he? Away from the hands of evil. Miracles, supernatural powers, something that is not naturally produced, testable. It can't be reproduced because it comes from a supernatural power. Remember we talked about God, a being that is not confined by time, does not live within the realms of the hour, but had the power and mind to create time for mankind. He, with supernatural practice and occurrence, will, with a strong hand, liberate my people from the clutches of a tyrant. Yeah. Yep. We as a people must understand this principle. We can kindly say to the bad guys, hey, bad guys, stop being bad. We'd much rather have you good guys. But if you don't stop being bad guys, we're going to have to put you in jail. 
And sadly, we might even have to, or justly, we might even have to practice capital punishment. Because murderers are going to murder. And we can't allow that to run rampant now, can we? If we are governed by God to utilize discipline in his local assembly so as to not bring reproach and so as to not have the local assembly contaminated with corruption and evil, how much more so in practical application to our stewardship in physical form, in our household, in our community, in our state, our province, our nation, our country? See, we, 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 there was a time when we understood this. There was a time when we respected and honored this truth. So, God is going to make sure his people are released. In verse 21, I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. God will make you successful. No, 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 no. Not according to the erroneous teachings of these TV evangelists, right? The, the, the health and wealth gospel. Yeah, just send me a whole bunch of money and uh, you'll live forever on earth and never have to go through anything bad. Yeah, you'll be fine. No, that's, that's hogwash. That's foolishness. That's deception and manipulation. Don't follow that. No, no. God will make sure to take care of his people in a proper way. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. You will indeed have all the, the, the useful tools at your disposal, which again is God's work. And in verse 22, closing off the chapter and our session, it says, But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. Not only has God heard the cry of his people, he has chosen the deliverer, and he will deliver them into liberty, to a specific location. And on top of that, there will be done so, not an empty-handed orphanage, but rather with plenty because of the hard labor and the bondage and the murder that you all have had to live through. You see, God will bless you. Me and my wife, we had to sacrifice everything back in 2011. We sold the farm, sold the house, the car, the clothing, the jewelry, let go of the friends, the community, the culture, the, the family, the people. We lost it all. It was all rubbish to gain Christ. And we've been through a great many locations. We've traveled. We've changed country, haven't we? We've studied. We've experienced. We know what it is to have nothing or close to nothing, if you will. But to have Christ is to have everything. And he brought us from all of those moments, letting go everything, selling off everything, to now, once again, we have land and we have a house. And we have family and we have a wonderful work. It's not void of challenge. It's not void of temptation and discouragements. It's not void of persecution. 
and we may lose it all tomorrow again. And that would be fine. As long as we have God and each other, we will make it. If the sons of Israel would have embraced that, what they thought they were losing, they were going to gain above and beyond and more so. It's almost like, well, God, I don't want to let go of this 10 bucks. And God says, well, if you did, if you do, you will have 100. Now, that's an illustration in monetary form. You can take it into all kinds of different departments. He will give us an abundance if we follow him. Every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus, you will plunder the Egyptians. All right, my dear friends, uh, that concludes our session. An hour and 17 minutes into it, I think, but uh, chapter three is done. We shall move to chapter four, Lord willing, next week. Please, once again, consider subscribing, liking, sharing, uh, all, all that kind of wonderful engagement helps others out there find this material. And uh, please understand that you can support this work. Uh, it is through your benevolent gifts and donations uh, that we continue to be motivated to, to, to uh, do, do these things. And uh, it is indeed a very joyful thing. So you can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can sign up over there. Uh, you can also utilize the PayPal option, addedsouls at gmail.com. Or if you seek a physical address, uh, you can contact me and have a conversation with me, and I'd be more than happy to give you a physical address. Um, yeah. Oh, and as always, check out our uh, our website, addedsouls.com. That's mine. Or uh, the church, uh, East Coast Church of Christ, uh, com. We're also on Facebook, East Coast Church of Christ. I, I appreciate you all a great deal. I am thankful for all of you who pay attention to this kind of stuff. It's important, isn't it? Of course. Lord willing, tomorrow our topical discussion will continue in regards to an article from our friends over at Apologetics Press, Atheism and the Fruits of Atheism and What Does Atheism Produce? Uh, we're going to try to get that done 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. All right, friends, stay focused, stay positive. Till next time, peace out.